Expanding our knowledge through those amongst us is a privilege we take for granted. Join me as we explore the minds of our fellow beings to unlock their knowledge for ourselves. It is time for a guest entry. But first, a quick disclaimer. Most of the guests I've had on were recorded through Discord due to us being long distance. If the quality dips, it's due to my connection. But I hope each of these conversations brings you new knowledge of the creative and cultural arts. For the final guest entry of Season 3, I have the privilege of speaking to a fellow author, comic book creator, musician, and MMA fighter from Australia who makes YouTube videos about pop culture, comic books, and his own unique works that he dabbles in. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Manaya. Hello, and welcome to another guest entry. Actually, this is going to be my final guest entry for season three. And today, I get to have on a comic book writer, author, YouTuber, all the, all the great creative stuff that you can think of, Manaya, I believe that's how you pronounce it. I, I, I'm sure people are getting it wrong. Um, uh, can you introduce yourself to the audience? Hello, yes. Um, I'm Manaya. Um, so you did get that correct. Cool. That's my name. Um, <laughs> And um, yeah, I'm a I'm a I'm a writer, author, video game journalist, uh, comic book creator, uh, mixed martial artist, musician, singer. Um, do quite a few things. Yes, um, but um, yeah, that is me. That, that, General all round dork. That that that's great. We'll probably focus more on the writing part because that's what I I usually do. Well, we might, we might dabble into like the music musician stuff too because I've. I've been into music for basically my entire life. Um, mm-hmm. But what I want to know first is what started you on the road to writing? Um, I've always had a thing for writing. Um, when I was sort of like eight, nine, ten, I used to get awards all the time just for reading books so quickly in school. And then... Um, in my high school years, my sort of formative years, um, you know, everyone around me, um, in terms of teachers, et cetera, all would sort of say the same thing that they'd say, Oh, Manaya is going to be a, a writer one day. Mm-hmm. Um, they all thought I'd write horror for some weird reason, um, which is <laughs> quite funny because I don't, I don't do horror at all in any way. <laughs> but, um, yeah, um, you know, like I had a really good English teacher in high school. It was the only teacher I sort of got along with. And, um, you know, she, she had the same sentiment. She was like, you're going to be a really good writer one day. Um, and when you grew up in the sort of poorest area in Western Australia and one of the poorest areas in Australia, mm. um, you know, having something like that, um, meant a lot to me. Yeah. Um, and it sort of moved me on this path. Um, I'm also the sort of person who, if I can't find something I like, I make it myself. 
Um, and writing has been my way of doing that. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. That, that, that's pretty good. And, and also like just having, having that introduction and well, having a, a teacher tell you like to like take the, the leap and take, take the next step into. Yeah. Try, yeah. Like, like, Cause I, I had that too. When actually, actually my mind started when I was really young, when I, like I had a, uh, a tutor because I wasn't good with school. I didn't like school very much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, but I had a tutor who saw that I, I used to play with toys instead of play play video games. And I, I was like always in my imagination. So then she was like, okay, let's actually like foster this a bit. And then she put me in front of a piece of paper and told me to write. And then I started writing. And then that's when I got into everything that I do. Um, yeah. I was, I was getting into fights all the time. Um, you know, like I, I, I nearly went to prison when I was 16. Oh, damn. Um, and, um, yeah, yeah, I grew up in a rough area. Um, so when all of my teachers were sort of, you know, treating me like I was going to be nothing, I had this one English teacher who, you know, was supportive of that um, and, you know, sort of saw another side of me in writing. That's great. And, um, yeah, it's, yeah that, that's sort of how that happens. So is there a particular... I know you. I know you said that everyone saw you as like a horror novelist or something like that. <laughs> yeah. But is there a particular genre yeah. that you focus on in regards to the stories that you write? Um. So I have a soft spot for slice of life, coming of age, uh, tragedy, romance stuff. It's mm. really specific, but I, I enjoy that sort of, um, sort of dark not dark what's what would be the correct word for it that sort of tragic uh sort of emotion filled stuff where it's not entirely happy even if there's a happy ending it's like a sad journey to get there sort of thing it's like I a really bitter enjoy those like a bittersweet story yeah like bittersweet uh-huh. yeah I, I really enjoy those um and i think that comes from the fact that i grew up watching a lot of uh, like sort of Korean, Chinese and Japanese uh, cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that stuff is heavy in the melodrama. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll sort of try and tug at tearjerkers a lot more than Western sort of, you know, traditional romance sort of movies and stuff is. Yeah, um, I, I personally so, yeah, do. It's, it's weird. I personally do have a soft spot for those kinds of like, like of drama filled stories where it, it gets you to it, it captures your emotions um mm, I don't know, but i'm exactly right. i'm i'm more in I, f- I feel like that's more for like people who are more in tune with their emotions like they're more emotionally mm. intelligent and yeah having having storylines that like kind of rock you in that way it yeah it makes yeah. you feel I, it makes you feel good like it makes you feel human i i, I would say Exactly right. And I also feel like part of it for me is I may be chasing parts of my youth again, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, because that's sort of what I really enjoy watching and reading. Um, I also like I, I mask it in bigger stories. Like I write like fantasy epics yeah. and, you know, things like that. And I've got like, you know, my comics, etc. But I there's hints of it all throughout. Um, and when I feel confident enough, I've got some storylines that are you know, there, but I just want to make sure I'm at the right level to do them justice. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. Um, so you, I know that you do like, so, so you, you're writing a, you're making, you've already made like two comic books, right? Right now. Um, 
So I have one comic book that's made and gets weekly releases on Arkhaven. Yeah, and I have another yeah. comic book that's about like it's in the art phase. So everything's written. Yeah. Um, and all the sketchings and done, et cetera. It's just, it's off to an artist at the moment. So let's, let's talk about the, the one that's out right now, uh, street, street yeah, lights. Sure. Um, where did that idea come from? Like, like, I skated when I was a teenager okay. um, and I was one of those weird kids that, um, you know, uh, used inlines, so rollerblades, mm-hmm. as they called them in Australia. Um, I did that when I was a teen. So um, it, it's, it stemmed from my, you know, my childhood of doing that. And I always used to like, because everything growing up where I grew up was, you know, fights and gangs, et cetera. So mm-hmm. It sort of blended the two. I was like, wouldn't it be cool? Like when I was like, you know, 14, I was like, wouldn't it be cool if we were like a rollerblade gang? Like <laughs> so dorky and nerdy, you know, as, as you know, like 12 to 14 year olds hey, are. I have, and that was like, what was. I have mad respect for roller rollerbladers and, and, and skaters in, in general. Like uh, recently, yeah. recently my girlfriend and I have been going to like skate, skate rinks and I've been, mm-hmm. I've been learning how to, how to do it a bit better, but like we go to you know the when when everyone is like is amazing at it and i'm just watching i don't even want to go out and skate with them because they're they're like <laughs> skating backwards and around me i feel like i'm just an obstacle for them at that point yeah well it's also important to note that you know i'm talking about you know this is like the mid to late 90s yeah yeah um so that's when like you know like it was big yeah. very big back then <laughs> um and you know all like the big video games at the time was, you know, like Tony Hawk's Pro Skater yeah. and like Jet Set Radio or Jet Grind Radio, depending on where you live, had just sort of come out on the Dreamcast. And it was very much like that attitude. And then, um, so I like Streetlights, I actually wrote when I was 16. Oh, really? Um, so the fun part of this, yeah. So the fun part of this comic is because my big serious superhero comic is taking so long because it's way more complicated. Mm-hmm. I was like, I need to get something else out. And I found the old documents and nice. they weren't written in the right script. <sighs> so I reformatted them to be the professional script, which I was taught by some industry professionals. Um, and I, so I reformatted them, but I didn't change anything. And then I sent it through to Arcave and I said, Hey, I know you guys are waiting on this comic book what do you think of this? Mm. And immediately, I think the day after I got a reply, like, this is really great. It's fun. We want it. And I was like, okay. So I found um, an artist and I, you know, put it together and a few weeks later it's out. And the whole point of this one was to sort of tide people over (laughs) while, you know, the one they've all been waiting for actually comes. Yeah. (laughs) But um, it's, it's, it's completely different though. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, and it's a lot of fun. It's meant to be a mix of 90s cartoons uh, with the art style and writing, et cetera, and the attitude. Um, that sort of, that nostalgia is what I wanted to bring to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I remember, so so I actually read, read I believe you you have up to uh, page four right now, correct? Four, yeah. yeah. Four came out yesterday it, or yeah, earlier I, today, depending on, yeah. I, I read, I read all four, all four pages and then um, I was looking at the comments of it and one person was like, this is like a psychedelic trip or something. And I was just like, <laughs> you know what? The art is actually, it, it feels like that. And then, like, it, it's just, mm. it's so interesting. It, it's an interesting art style and I actually really, really enjoy it. 
Um, and that's yeah, the- I'll have to thank Tua Liz for that. Yeah, um, yeah. It was one of those funky things where I had an idea in my head mm-hmm. and I didn't know how to say it. And so I sent off like some sort of examples that were nothing like the finished product, but I knew Tua Liz has a certain style of her own. So mm-hmm. I was like, if this blends with this, it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. And she sent me back some sketches and my heart sort of sunk at first. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I just made a big mistake. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, as, yeah, cause it's, this, yeah, you know, uh, I'm, I you definitely know, know. I just, it's my creation. Yeah. I definitely <laughs> know then, the feeling. <laughs> Yeah. And then um, I got back a color page and I, it clicked and I had this like feeling of nostalgia, you know, from Mm -hmm. like cartoons like Rocket Power, According to Ginger, um, you know, all those old, old cartoons. And I went, this is perfect. Um, And ever since then, I've loved it. So I was really nervous about releasing it. But you're right. Everyone seems to just be commenting on how interesting and fun the art is. Yeah. Um, And hey, like considering there's not much story at the moment, it's four pages of what is essentially like a hundred page story. Um, (laughs) 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 Like, you know, are you really have much story to talk about? Are are you are you releasing it in vault? Is it going to be released in volumes or is it going to all like just be a weekly release? Until it's, it's so finished. I'm just doing a page. I'm doing a page a week. Okay. Um, simply put, I can't afford to do more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm paying to have this created. Yeah. Um, and I'm not getting paid to you know upload it. It's just for fun. Um, I wanted to get this story out there while I'm sorting out this other one. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's out and it's coming out of my own pocket. And I just hope people enjoy it. Um, and who knows? It might take off. It might not. Um. But the premise of the comic, for those listening, because we haven't actually talked about what it is, it's a story about a group of kids who work at a convenience store. And one night they get into a little bit of unplanned trouble um, with some skaters who tag up their shop. Mm -hmm. Um, And they don't realize there's an underground sort of extreme sport um, where these skaters do tag on you stickers and things like that to sort of label their territories. And the act of removing it is seen as, you know, a challenge to the group, um, to the team. (laughs) And so they get tasked with cleaning the window and they're obviously all skaters and stuff. So they get mistaken for a team removing a tag, um, which is like an act of like, well, I'm I'm claiming this territory for me. So the, the name Streetlights is because... It all happens at night. So the minute the streetlights turn on, the city turns into a playground for all the skaters doing these battles against each other. And there's all sorts of different teams um, that are all sort of different character themes. So you've got the Alley Cats, which are a bunch of like punk rock girls who wear like cat masks and stuff. Oh, wow. And then you've got like, you got the Spooks who are like, they're ghost metaphors and they try to like scare people out of their territory um and it's all you know like they dress up like ghosts and monsters and stuff yeah um, when they skate around and it's like it's all meant to be this wacky crazy cartoon world where like it feels like it step back and just take it for what it is um and um yeah so these teens get dragged into this world because they are skaters but they didn't know this existed Mm. and they accidentally you know get mixed up in it but then one of them's like well this is really cool and this is like I like this and I finally have like 
a purpose in life. So, you know, they sort of get dragged into it and form their own team and start competing. Mm. Um, and that's, that's what this is about. So the first sort of four issues don't really have any of that in it because it's just four pages of a comic, yeah, you know, yeah. introducing everyone. Yeah. But, the, <laughs> but um, I believe the, for- soon- the fourth page it has has the them tagging the shop with the with the killers yeah, exactly right killers backwards yeah, so the killers <laughs> relic yep <laughs> you know everyone loves that line but that was the one line that everyone in my beta group told me to remove <laughs> well, and what, i said no i can't do that <laughs> why why did they do, do you know why they t- told you to remove it uh, apparently it was just like one, I'm because this is meant to be nineties. I'm trying not to swear. I'm trying to have silly words in yeah, it so he yeah. doesn't swear. He says "bath." Uh-huh. And two, they just thought it was too immature. Mm. And I was like, "No, it's perfect." Like sometimes I listen to my beta readers, and I'm like, "Yeah, you guys are right. I I could stuff that up." And other times I'm like, "No, you guys have this one wrong." Yeah, yeah. I was like, "I love this line," <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot more of that sort of you know attitude coming through um, in the next. Like it really takes eight to 16 pages for everything to get introduced and for the first battle to come down. Okay. Um, so yeah. Got to, got, um, got to wait a few, that, it's, you know, a few more a sort of villain of the week sort of thing. Yeah. A few more months and then we'll, we'll have like a full. Yeah. Look, if I, if I win lottery or something, you know, and I can just go, Hey, draw it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give my artist a pile of money. <laughs> you may get it sooner, <laughs> but at the moment, um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, so a page a week is what I can do. Um, and like I said, I have another comic book in the making and this is just meant to tide people over while I work on other projects. Mm-hmm. Well, that, but I don't want to, you know, downplay it. It's a great comic on its own. Yeah, that's, that's great. And, and, uh, and the other, the other comic is, is a fantasy, right? It's a, um, no, it's uh, superheroes. So the superheroes. other comic superhero, yes. but I have, I have four fantasy novels being written at the moment on the side as well. Four. Um, all in different stages. Oh, you know what writers are like. <laughs> yep, if you yep. want to look at my writing that... <laughs> file, there's probably 16 projects in there. Um, but as things go, I sort of shuffle things around. But the other comic is a superhero comic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Crane City's Gargoyle. Um, and what what is that one ab- about specifically? So, like- so I I live in Western Australia, and um, the main city Perth, um, its nickname is Crane City because for as long as I've been alive, um, it's been under this big construction boom. So mm. there's just always cranes everywhere on the horizon. So. Okay. Doing the superhero thing, I was like, all right, I'll change the name. So it's not Perth City; it's Crane City, and it's an alternate earth if that makes sense where yeah similar to what uh you know dc and marvel do where they don't well mostly dc where they use like fake city names yeah um that re- represent other cities um and this one is a superhero comic uh where it follows this character called uh the gargoyle but the premise of the story was actually well like if superheroes really did exist in real life, because we've all had these conversations a million yeah. times, yeah. my thought has always been, well, wouldn't they just be uh, like secret agents sort of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, that was the idea. Like really like James Bond is a superhero. If you want to class him that way with the things he does, his skill sets, etc., He's basically a superhero without superpowers. Mm-hmm. Um, so my story 
Uh, I don't want to spoil too much for this one because yeah, don't, you don't, know, yeah. don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> but the whole the whole premise is you know um, the whole premise is based around this character called the Gargoyle who was a secret agent um, and um, you know typical spy stuff when they know too much and they've been in the game for too long or they feelings or emotions get involved in something they get cut. Mm-hmm. Um, so during a mission. Uh, there's an attempt on the gargoyles life in their apartment. Um, and they end up, you know, sort of, you know, nearly dying. Um, and through that, they use that to fake their death because now they're like, well, my cover's been blown and through their cover being blown and their death being faked, they decide, well, the best thing for me to do is to hide my identity. So they take on the form of a sort of masked vigilante trying to solve the mystery as to who just tried to kill them. Okay. And in solving that mystery, they have to sort of, you know, find all these things out about their spy life and things that maybe they thought they understood and don't anymore. But at the same strange time that they've shown up, superheroes have started to show up so there's these superheroes now that have sort of come out of the blue and the whole world's sort of like what's going on here because they're you know doing all the superhero stuff they're saving cats from trees etc yeah yeah and somehow that that twist and the sort of spy mission that the gargoyle was on in their past life sort of clash okay and there's a big twist there um and through the events of this comic, you'll see how that all sort of lines up and then, um, you know, where that goes. Like, you know, uh, because the Gargoyle is a secret agent with a skill set of finding things out and getting intel. Mm-hmm. Um, so as things get found out, what's going to be the uh, result of that, I guess you could say. And I'm trying to be very cautious because yeah. <laughs> it's a big story that I put a lot of love and effort into. It took me years to write the story. Mm. Um, and typically, you know, I can write a story very quickly because I'm one of those guys that's like, ah, it's good enough. Okay, yeah. This one, yeah. I actually, you know. <laughs> this one, yeah. you, you want to put as much as much detail as you can into it. and Yeah, yeah, and I want to make sure there's no plot holes yeah. and stuff like that. But um, the biggest thing with this story was I sent it off to Chuck Dixon, the famous comic book writer. He invented Bane, had the longest Batman run of all mm. time. Oh, yeah. um, you know, I sent it off to him because uh, he does a YouTube thing where you can ask him questions. Um, and so I got that email. I sent him my script. I probably shouldn't say this out loud because he probably doesn't want millions of people sending him scripts, but I sent him the story and I just, I said, Hey Chuck, this is my script. Um, what do you think? And he read through the whole thing. Oh wow. And I got one reply back from him and he had actually like edited the story a little bit. He changed like two lines in the whole story. And other than that, he just replied, this is really good stuff. That's good. <laughs> and that's all I needed to hear. Yep, from yeah, that's all you needed to hear. <laughs> that's all I needed, you know? Um, so when I got that reply from him, um, and obviously he publishes his comics on Arkhaven, and that's obviously where this is being published, so there was that link there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, the guy I grew up reading his stories who influenced this story turned around and told me that it was good. 
Um, and if and I didn't need to hear it's the best thing ever, but if he says it's good, it's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the problem with that is the art is so complicated, and um, you want it to be you know, like it's a lot more detailed. Yeah, it has yeah, to be. But, it has to capture the entire story of what you're telling. Yeah, but also this is a world where superpowers don't actually exist. So all the superhero stuff needs to come from like a technology base. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Um, you've got this sort of trio of um, things happening in this city. So Crane City or Perth City is the most isolated city in the world. That's a fact. We have no, like the furthest away from any other city on any side, any wow. direction. So um, in the comic, it's sort of like the perfect playground because no one's looking at it. Yeah, it's just yeah. this you know, city in the middle of nowhere. Um, so all of a sudden you've had these superheroes show up um this basically this tech genius um his name's elliot evander but he sort of built an office over the last few years in the city and everyone's like why is why is he here like of all cities in the world um and you've sort of got you know as i said the superheroes showing up and obviously you know there's secret agents in the city too Mm -hmm. um so the whole plot is like what do these three things why are they in this small city in the middle of nowhere, Australia, where there's no one else around and it's just, it's a perfect playground it, for them. There's got to be something um, going on here. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. And it'll all, it'll all come into play and there will be consequences. And that's the big thing with this story is with Crane City's Gargoyle, every action has a consequence. So mm. there aren't superpowers. No one has super healing. No one's actually super strong. So, you know, a hit's a hit. A punt, you know, it kicks a kick, it breaks mm. a break. Um, you're not going to see people falling from buildings or, you know, um, any of that. They're, they're, you will see, you know, people flying around and picking up cars and stuff, but, yeah, there are consequences of that. Like the, you know, if you get hit by a car, you're hit by a car. Yeah. Um, so it's one of those things where I'm using all of my experience. I got, you know, 15 years of mixed martial arts under my belt. Um, and I'm using all of that experience to write the fight scenes and my own personal experience with the injuries to sort of, you know, balance these out correctly. That's and good. that's one of the cool things. Um, a lot of people may not like it because it's not big and flashy and no one's sort of flying through the sky shooting lasers out of their eyes. But um, hey, we, all the fight we, scenes. Sometimes we need less of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's one of those things where you'll see like in, in the story, uh, like if the gargoyle takes a big hit, you'll see that later on in the comic, there'll be like a big bruise on a rib cage yeah. or like, you know, like you see it. Um, and the action will slow down for that because they're injured, but they have to push on. Um, and they do need time to recover. It makes it more so realistic. Yeah. So I'm trying to play with that, but as the comic goes on and the world begins to change due to re- these revelations and the, you know, um, the reactions to these things, it does sort of get a little bit more fantastical. Mm. Um, <laughs> but that's on, it's not on the back bench, but the art's going to take quite a bit longer. My artist has some personal things going on. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so I just said, look, do what you need to do. I'm fine. I'll find, you know, I've got plenty of other projects. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll, <laughs> we'll, you will sort this out in the future. So I'm actually writing a novel set in that universe at the moment, oh. which I'll release. Um, 
I can't say too much about it because I just want it to be a fun thing for everyone waiting. I can just go, here's a prequel sort of novel thing. It's got nothing to do with the main story, but it's set in the same universe and it'll let you get your feet, you know, sort of your feet on the ground yeah. in that universe. Um, and there'll be some nice Easter eggs for people who read on through to the comic. Um, but I figured I can't pay for more artists, but I can just write some, you know, words on a page and release it. So that's yeah. coming along nicely. It's just a short little story set in that world. Do you do you keep all your stories in like a, in the same universe itself, or or do you kind of like separate them all? So I, all my like, fantasy stories yeah. are in one fantasy universe. Okay. Um, Streetlights is a thing of its own, and uh, I have some Crane City Gargoyle um, sort of universe stories that I've got planned. Um, but I, I also have standoff stories as well that have nothing to do with anything else that I'm writing. Um, you know, I've got some sort of romancy ones and things like that, that I've got on the back burner. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, they, they're just stories of their own, you know, um, in make believe cities that don't exist or the way I like to write is I don't like to give some, like, I don't want to give people a location. If I can just say it's the city and people can imagine it as their city, you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. if I can somehow do that, perfect that's why like in streetlights you don't like i haven't given it a location you don't know if it's in australia america asia like it's just a city with kids um and i'm trying to blend a bit of everything into the visuals so you just really don't know when anyone from anywhere can sort of just assume it's where they live are you, are you the type of writer that likes to um so i mean based off of that probably not but are, are you would you say that you like writing in like in like an alternate version of earth more often, or would you rather create your own world and develop the story there? It depends on the story. I think for superhero stuff, I wanted to go alternate because it gives me more room to play. Okay. Um, um, same with streetlights. Um, streetlights is very weird with the technology. Um, because I wrote it when I wrote it when I was 16 and smartphones didn't exist, but I invented smartphones back in, you know, 2006, when I wrote the story, there's drones, there's tablets, there's smartphones in it. There's even AR glasses in the story. And none of these things existed in 2006. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. But like I was reading through my old scripts and I was like, oh my gosh, I invented, I invented this smartphone. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like in my head, I was like, I like in my notes, it's like she has a tap. It's like she has a drawing pad. Think of it like a thin, large touch screen with a pen yeah. that she can draw on the screen. <laughs> That's portable. Like, and it's like my notes actually trying to explain it because it didn't exist. That's and funny. I have drones. I'm like, think of it like a camera with propellers um, coming out of it that can follow you. <laughs> that's pretty great that's pretty great yeah i even have this old concept art of like an actual like camcorder you know like a tape Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. using camcorder but it's got these two like like almost looks like arms coming (laughs) out the side with propellers on it like like zoom it around yeah so if you like i'm keeping that so that will be in future um panels you'll see this like retro modern drone camcorder thing Mm -hmm. um so i really want to stick with that theme of like 90s visuals with modern technology so everything's going to be like a blend um because it's just so cool and i like the little wink and a nod to me where i can go yeah i wrote that back (laughs) when these things didn't exist well that's good um a little 
a little segue over like well actually it's not, it's not even gonna mm-hmm. be a segue it's gonna be kind of branch um you're also a musician what what instruments do you play i play the guitar guitar um i'm yeah i electric and acoustic and i'm a classically trained singer nice um, i haven't sung in over a year so not properly anyway so i'm well out of practice i, I was in several um, choirs in high school so uh, right yeah yeah I'll probably do a um, duet <laughs> <laughs> um yeah well i'm a bass baritone so <laughs> yeah uh i would say i'm about probably the same you, you probably have a deeper voice than me though <laughs> mm. um and i um like i i've dabbled with the piano i've bought one and i'm sort of figuring it out but yeah. that's a recent thing um ha- have you so, ever tried yeah. making music for your stories like like little theme songs or something like that not really, no. Um, it's never sort of come to pass. When I was a teenager, I used to write with music. Like I had to put like air, like ambient music on mm-hmm. or something to draw, um, not draw, write. Um, but these days I want pitch like silence. Yeah. Because um, I'm a visual, I, I call it a visual writer and I hope that makes sense for yeah. anyone listening is where I, when I write, my brain sort of teleports me as like a fly on the wall or like a third wheel where I'm just, and I see it as I'm writing it in my head, like I'm just watching a movie. Um, so writing for me was an escape from reality in my sort of teen years. Cause I did some pretty awful rough things in my teen life, but yeah, it's generations ago now. Um, and writing was my way of sort of getting out of that world. Um, and nowadays it's sort of the same. It's my escape. So I have noise canceling headphones in. I don't hear anything. I don't talk to anyone. And I just sort of zone out. And next thing I know, it's, you know, four in the morning and I've written, you know, a few thousand words and I'm like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. And then time the next day. Time passes. <laughs> yeah. And then the next day I read what I wrote and I go, what is this? And I erase <laughs> half of it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would say I'm I'm the same way. I I mean I I'm a visual writer as well. The thing is like I I used to play with my toys all the time, so I was always like imagination, and mm. then and then it's like I have to immerse myself into the story, acting like I am the. I, I usually I actually used to write like all all my stories were first person, so I always wanted to right, like okay. en- envision myself as the main character, and. um and that's probably how I got into role playing so much, because like I, I just yeah, I, true. I I like that, and then it it helps you immerse yourself like just deeper. And then character mm. creation is like a huge thing for me. I I love character creation. Yeah, true, true. I love I love coming up with characters as well. It's a huge thing for me. Yeah, I um, I, I heard uh, the the <laughs> the podcast that you did with with Matt. And you guys were just talking about how like, you you made like wrote a two two hundred page backstory for yeah a two hundred page backstory <laughs> yeah. for a character that I that I played for two weeks. <laughs> hey, I mean, yeah. I I I probably wouldn't read the entire backstory, but I commend you for that. That's that's stuff that yes. Good, well, good work. I'm, I'm going to like, that's one of like, I, I've taken that backstory in that character and I'm turning that into a, like, that's one of the four fantasy novels that I have in my backlog. So mm. I've merged that into my fantasy world, and um, which that, is cool. That's a bard, right? You, you made a bard. 
or no no i um it's a I, i've made a bard i used to play a satir bard um that would go from like everyone would be playing the campaign and fighting and my bard would be hiding (laughs) um and then when as soon as we got to an inn or a town it it was like all right my time to play um (laughs) and i would go and sing like little you know melodies about the journeys we've been on and stuff um in the towns and like you know i'd be rolling dice to find out how much i got tipped in the taverns etc um (laughs) But it was always like it didn't work because my party had just been through these battles and traveling and they're all like, all right, we got to go home now. And I'm like, no, 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 no. My turn to play. <laughs> <laughs> you, so they had all you have like, to well, have that time sleep in the inn. Yeah. You, you, yeah. You, you have to have that role yeah. play time. Like, cause I, I, I'm like a, he- like a heavy role player. So, um, mm-hmm. I, I, I do occasionally do battle, battle stuff, but it's more for like, it's more for just having some kind of conflict arise for the characters. See, my issue is tabletop combat always takes me out of the world. Mm. Um, Like, because I am such a role player. Yeah. um, The minute it's like everything's down to dice rolls and everyone's very calculative with their movements and it just breaks the role play for me. Um, and I've never had a party that I've been able to blend the combat in with the rest of the, with the, you know, story or the game. Mm. Um, and that's why I sort of shy away from combat based characters. I also can't handle the fact where if my character's lore and backstory has done all these cool things and then I get a bad role. Um, yeah. And yeah. That's my character look like a doofus. Unless like it breaks my role play. Um, yeah, that that's and why I, I don't a good like. DM could meld that, but it just for me, I'm just like really like like it's like you know my ranger who's like you know level five and has done all these cool things just slipped on a rock. Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> exactly. That's like that 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 that's the thing that bo- that bothers me about D and D is that like mm. the the d the d twenty causes it to be like oh if you roll really low then it's fair like it's hard to actually succeed yeah at any any time yeah, it, and it's like it's like dude this is the thing that i actually do all the time this is like the thing that my character mm-hmm. is meant for and i still can't even do it yeah it's like you're telling me my ranger missed a shot with a bow and arrow from two meters away like <laughs> yeah yeah and and so like that that's where i've like so i'm not sure if you know that i i i've kind of developed my own game system um mm-hmm. my, my own tabletop role-playing game I loosely um, know about it. Um, so basically, it's I made it to be like super customizable. It is kind of crunchy mm-hmm. with, as a system, but I wanted it to be more like stat. Like you, your your mods, your modifiers uh, on top of like it's, it's a D twelve system. So instead of rolling a D twenty, mm-hmm. you're rolling a D twelve, and uh, even if you roll a natural one, you still have a you still have a chance of, of succeeding. Um, the, the, right. and i i also like want it to be like more so cool. about creating like creating some badass characters and like making yourself feel like you're you're the shit you know um <laughs> but like but then like you you go up and you face something that that is is way stronger than you and then you actually have to strategize your way through through certain certain situations and uh and it's not even just like it's not even just the combat it's it's like the role-playing aspect i want it to be like you decide you 
your character is going going through this huge story arc, right? And and then you mm-hmm. build your character based off of that, and you can actually build your character based off of that. You don't there's no there's no class limitations or anything like that. You just make your character how you how you envision. Yeah. See, I've been I've been dabbling in this as well, um, trying to find ways to make a more role play focused tabletop game. Mm. Um, so I'm very curious to see how that goes because I'm leaning more into, um, the radio play way of things. I don't know if you're familiar with radio plays. You might be younger than me. I am. Um, Yes. Most likely younger than you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm, I'm an old soul. I'm actually not that old, but I like to pretend I am. I mean, it's okay. I, I I just had my twenty first, my twenty fifth birthday. I almost almost said twenty first. Yeah, you are younger than me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, radio plays were you know these things back in sort of the forties, fifties, sixties, and they carried through to the eighties and nineties in some countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where um, essentially you'd have these authors making these shows for radio. So you would have a sound guy with sound effects, and you would have. Um, you know, like voice actors, like reading these scripts and they had these, you know, modular mics where, you know, they could walk from left to right or further away to give it that distance. Hmm. And they're these really fun audio ways of telling a story where like, it wasn't like an ebook where, you know, they're like, and the man walked in the room and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. You don't get any narration typically in a radio play. So you get people talking and you get sound cues and generally they'll play like a song to like break the scene and start a new scene as like an intermission. Mm. And I've been, cause you know, I, I, I like exploring the sort of, you know, different ways to tell a story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've been listening to some radio plays cause there's some YouTube channels that record them and, you know, like re-upload them yeah. for preservation sake. Cause it's a dying medium. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like the idea and I'm on the edge of something great, if that makes sense, where I'm like, there's something really cool here. Like if you could do this and have role players like voicing different characters and just having someone sort of controlling a sound sort of board thing, you know, that that's probably have some crazy adventures with this, but I just haven't been able to fine tune it to get it to work. Yeah, that's something that I've also thought about too. I I didn't know that that was like an like a a, a thing because I, mm. I just never like actually re- researched it. But like my my main podcast is kind of like an audiobook, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, I do push buttons to do sound effects and and music and stuff. Uh, but mm-hmm. like what I wanted to do for like the longest time was like r- like have like script like scripts with different characters inside the universe, and then have different like voice actors come in. And then voice act the characters, and then like, like have like just like stories that 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 the actual yeah. character, the, the actual people that are doing the characters actually made their characters, and then like there is a, an overarching plot that someone puts out, and then they have to basically yeah. like work their like work around the characters and and stuff. But then also that's like tabletop role playing. Feel free to steal this, anyone out here listening <laughs> in. But I just came up with an idea. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear it. Let's so, hear it. And, and do you remember? I don't know if you had them when you were growing up, but we had these things called magic books. Um, like Disney did them, etc. And they were like a book that came with a cassette. 
and you would put the cassette in and the, it would be like, when you hear the chime, turn the page. Yes. I, read I, along the book for you. I remember, right? I remember those. Yeah. I was Imagine really, if someone really young, uh, go ahead. Sorry. I, I was really, I was really young when that, when those things were out, mm-hmm. <laughs> like three yeah. probably. Imagine if someone made an audio based D and D adventure. So it's all pre-recorded in terms of like the narration, all the NPCs have their dialogues, etc. Mm. And what happens is it's like when you hear the chime, pause. And then like you play the and then it's like, you know, play this, you know, file or, you know, hit play again after the combat. Um because obviously, you know, back then it was tapes and you couldn't control it. But if you just had all the audio files, the DM could have like play this audio file after, you know, the team, you know, if team is successful in combat, play mm-hmm. this file, if not play this file or something like that. And then it like, you know, takes them down a different journey, but it's all sound effects and voice acted or something like that. So, you know, um, and I think that would be really cool. That would be that a huge sense. project. That'd be a huge project. Huge project, <laughs> which is why someone else can do it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but that's going to sit in the back of my head now, and and I might experiment with something like that on a very small scale. Okay. Well, if you um, need like if you need little... more voice actors, I, I <laughs> like just send me a little a little script, and I'll I'll record something and send it your way. but you know what i mean i think that might be really cool imagine if you had all the dialogue recorded for your npcs by actual like voice actors um that would be amazing sound effects for everything yeah and you could just hit play on the file so instead of you being like you run into a bartender it's a female elf and then you're sitting there like like trying to do an elf (laughs) (laughs) you just hit play and you have like this voice like the scripts are already recorded Mm -hmm. um that would be really, really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, that would be super cool. Because I'm the guy that sets up the table and I have the the color lights and I have the background, like the ambient music, you know what I mean? Yes, and yeah. You need I, the, the, immers- yeah, the immersive like, nature of like yeah. the cinematic ambiance where like, yeah. everything, yeah, I, I need that too. Um, mm. Even though like recently I've been doing a, so like I, recently I have uh, my my DM who's actually now GMing my game. Uh, mm-hmm. and so that, that's been fun. Cause like, this is the first time I've actually gotten to play, like actually be a player <laughs> for it in your own game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and, uh, the thing is, is that he doesn't know how to work my system and all that stuff. Cause I, I have, uh, ah. I'm recording it for the, for my hundredth entry on my podcast. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the thing about it is that, Basically, I have to have like royalty-free music on it, so he can't use his own music that he yep. usually uses. So, so I'm gonna have to go back and re like re like o- over what's what's called, what's it called like where you record over the recording. Basically, I have to score the entire session mm-hmm. with with my own music. Oh no! So that's gonna be a oh no! It's gonna yeah. be a fun time when I do that. Um, but that that doesn't seem quite worth it, does it? <laughs> <laughs> it I mean, I, I have I, I've I've gotten a lot of royalty free music recently, so like I, mm-hmm. I, I basically have like a full plethora of of different sounds that I could do for it. It's just a matter of the timing of playing yeah, true, the, true. the the stuff. But yeah, um, 
Anyways, let's 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 go on to a different topic. Yeah. I, I want I want to talk to you about sure. some pop culture stuff because I know you're a sure you're a YouTuber who likes to talk about pop culture stuff. And oh, it sounds so weird calling me a YouTuber. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're I, 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 I upload videos on YouTube. You're not wrong. <laughs> but I do, oh, man. Ugh, you're hey, the first I, person to ever actually call me a YouTuber. <laughs> I, I'm not. Uh, sorry. I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry if I offended you. <laughs> no, you haven't. I, I'm, it's impossible to offend me. Okay. Um, okay, good. <laughs> someone's going to try and challenge, take, take that challenge now. <laughs> good luck. Uh, but... Uh, you're, you, have you watched, so we're, we're going to, we're going to get deep into it. And I know my, mm. my audience that knows me, um, I'm a, I'm a star Wars fan. Okay. Uh, have you been watching? You do know I'm known for having like opinions on things that no one else has, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, that's that's why guy. I wanted to talk to you. Cause I've seen some of your videos. <laughs> <laughs> So this, this is the nitty gritty part. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so Star Wars. I haven't seen the final episode of Obi Wan, um, mm-hmm. but obviously there's been some issues with the whole situation with Obi Wan. What is your? Mm-hmm. What is your? Ha, ha, first of all, have you watched any of Obi Wan? So I haven't sat down and watched it per se okay do i know what happens and have i seen scenes yes okay um do i care about spoilers no okay. no i don't not when it comes to star wars <laughs> okay well well for for those people who have not seen it in the audience uh and you actually do care about this um skip this part because we're going into spoilers um what do you think of the whole Reva situation with the Inquisitor and all of that. I just think that Star Wars has lost its direction, but mm-hmm. not recently. I feel like Star Wars hasn't had any direction since the prequels. Um, mm. And it just feels like Disney have no idea what they're actually doing or don't have a proper plan in place for these things. And they're scrambling to just sort of get it out there. Yeah. And I think because of that, and I think they just don't care about it either, um, to be honest with you. And I think because of that, you're seeing these situations, so to speak. I'm mm-hmm. trying to be polite to some of the people out there like, yeah, they're spoilers, but someone might be listening to it being like, oh, I wonder what they have to say. So I'm trying not to go into detail, but I just think it's poorly managed. The whole thing is incredibly silly. Um, and I mean... Well, unnecessary yeah yeah i personally my i so i i am a i'm a prequel uh baby so i i love the, i love the prequels yeah, yeah, and you then would be based on your age yeah <laughs> and um my uh my favorite star wars content is the clone wars tv show yeah um, okay yeah yeah that's fine and i'm not sure like uh, are you like have you watched all of the clone wars yep um would Clone you, Wars is good. Yeah. So Dave Filoni did well with like the whole with with the whole arc. I I, I loved what they did with Obi Wan and then Darth Maul and and all that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then this, Obi- I feel like this. I feel like the Clone Wars 
gave everyone so much. Yeah, and you it, know what I mean? it, redeem, like, um, it, it redeems the prequels yeah, so much. Like, in a it, way, it, yeah. It's sort of because a lot of the prequels get crapped on a lot. They're not as bad as people think they are. Mm-hmm. Um, they're actually, in my opinion, they're quite decent. They're, they're, um, they're rewatching, like rewatching them yeah, is, exactly is amazing. Right. Yeah, um, and when, because of things like Clone Wars, Going back and watching, like you said, re-watching the prequels after you've seen Clone Wars adds so much depth to it. It's yeah. just cool. Yeah. Um, and I love that. Um, and um, I really feel like people people need to sort of take a look at the grand scheme of Star Wars and realize if you're reviewing every Star Wars medium of the, you know, like on one big list, the prequels are going to be on the, like the better end of that list. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no matter who you are, they're going to be on the higher end. Um, no, that, that's because, that's not to say that. Yeah, that that's not to say that that you know, like Attack of the Clones and the writing with the whole like sand and I hate sand. It's so. <laughs> anytime, anytime I tell my friends that that like I don't I don't like the beach because of the sand, they're like, "Okay, Anakin," and I'm like, <laughs> "I mean, sure, okay, whatever." <laughs> Look, it's. But these movies came out in the mid nineties. Yeah, and like, and also the, was, like George Lucas's vision, kids. George Lucas's vision for for the prequels was more of like a a space opera, like like a soap opera, and it was supposed to be yeah. dramatic. Yeah, and it was for kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> like you go back and watch it now, and you're like, "This is for kids." Like, this is all like kid dialogue it's all you know like 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 you said you were a kid like you grew up with these so you probably watched them when you were maybe i don't know 9 10 11 something like that yeah and back then you wouldn't have noticed any of those things because you know what i mean like you wouldn't have been like well that's terrible dialogue if you had watched star wars in the late 70s through the 80s and now you're in your 20s and you're watching the prequels and you're a 20 you're probably going this is awful Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. you know 2030 but if you're 10 and you're watching the prequels you're like this jar jar binks guy is hilarious <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah as a kid i thought he was hilarious and you everyone quoted him and copied his voice in school that, i mean there's also a, a huge like there's a huge star wars theory about about jar jar being the the huge the big bad uh you know <laughs> he's the one that was pulling the strings the entire time if you like actually go back and watch everything. <laughs> That's funny. That's uh, very funny. Yeah. And my, one, one, one of my buddies like, like messes around and, and, and says like, Oh yeah, that the Darth Jar Jar is, is a thing. And like, he, <laughs> he somewhat believes it, but then he's also like joking at the same well, time. Well, I like the idea of the villain who doesn't realize they're the villain. <laughs> yeah. Like, like he's doing all these horrible things, but he actually doesn't even know he's doing these horrible things because right. he's so stupid. Like, oh, <laughs> that would be so anticlimactic of a like of yeah. an ending. Yeah. People and, then, would... and then it like when some when he finally realizes what's happened, he's just like, Oh, Misa, sorry. Like <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how, how big of a troll that would be? That like Star Wars would be the biggest troll like of like film is it franchises. not already though yeah, i mean yeah yeah i mean i i wouldn't say it's a troll i feel like it's like it's a dying it's a dying franchise and i i would say it's a it's on life support that's for sure yeah um, i i think that so i'm not sure if you if you like mandalorian 
nah, I don't care for Mandalorian. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, Honestly, like I, it started, it started good. Okay. And the special effects, like I really liked the fact that they were using like the projector screens and how amazing the actual special effects looked. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was like, this is great. And I love the fact that they put <sighs> getting a little political. But I love the fact that they put Gina Carano in the role of the strong female character because <laughs> she is literally a strong female. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, like L- literally because, like I'm yeah, like I, I'm not gonna go into her getting fired and all that, but I loved the fact that they put her in this role because for me, I was like, oh, finally, we finally got a strong female who's a strong female. Like my wife was watching this with me, and mm-hmm. she doesn't know who Gina Carano is, so it's for her, she just saw like, oh, who's this big woman? And I was like, oh, that's Gina Carano. Like she can <laughs> actually fight, you know? Like so, it was fun watching her on screen doing all this stuff. Yeah, and I feel like, um. By taking her out of the show, they've done a huge disservice, not just to like the show and the fans, but um, to Star Wars in general and also to all of their other weird movements that they're trying to push because they literally got rid of the strong female character who like didn't need no man. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and at that point you have to wonder, do these creators care, like actually care about the show? Um, or they just care about know, money. Do they care about that? They just exactly. care about money. Like, yeah. Like there are some things you cannot do. Um, in a show otherwise it would ruin it like you can't recast the lead character unless Mm. they like die like you know um in real life you know like spartacus sort of scenario but you know you take um you take the marvel cinematic universe right Mm -hmm. and imagine if you know like after two iron mans like you know in the first avengers movie um robert downey jr is like yeah sorry you'll have to recast me i'm done you know what i mean like you can't it would kill the the universe, in my opinion. You yeah, just it, it does. It, do that. I I remember when uh, when Don Don Cheadle became uh, the new Rhodey uh, War Machine, and uh, it was yeah yeah. Oh. And you notice those things, but you can get away with it because he's a side character. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't really that important. Yeah, just like you know when they recast Edward Norton as the Hulk. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, like no one really noticed because I'm one of six people who watched and enjoyed that Hulk movie. I um, I actually enjoyed that that Hulk mo- movie too. Um, people think I troll when they ask me what is my favorite Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, and I say the Edward Norton Hulk. <laughs> but I, it's just I actually think it's solid. I think it's really good. I think they did the character really well. Um, I thought Edward Norton was great. Um, and other than like uh, Iron Man I'm, one, I'm pretty sure. And, I'm pretty sure Edward like the reason why they they got rid of Edward Norton was because he was like he was trying to control too much of it or something. Like, so I I remember something different. I remember Edward Norton and um, someone can get in touch with me and tell me if I'm wrong. But I remember Edward Norton asked the fans online. Like I think he put out a tweet or something. Mm. And he said, like, to, it was not, not to his fans, it was to Marvel comic fans. And he said, do you guys want me to return as a Hulk? Do you think I did it well? Um, you know, blah, blah, blah. And 
he used his feedback from the fans and he was like, all right, then I'm not going to do it anymore out of respect. Like I'll go and do other movies. Oh wow. Um, and we'll find someone else. That's what I remember happening, but that was like over a decade ago. Yeah. It, it was, it was a while. That was a yeah, But I remember there was something with Edward Norton so. actually like asked people like, do you guys want me back as the Hulk? And the answer was no. And he was like, okay, like, that's fine. Not in like a rude sort of way, but he was just like, okay, I get it, you know, and I don't want to ruin this thing you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. So I'll step away. Um, that's what I remember happening. It would have been, but I could be completely wrong. It would have been weird having Edward Norton. Like, I mean, not, not weird. I, I want to say weird. I, it wouldn't it, have it, been it, bad though. It wouldn't have been bad. I, I, I don't think it would have yeah. been bad. Uh, and yeah. honestly, like the more that like, First, I, at first, I like Mark Ruffalo as 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 Bruce Banner, but then like as like Thor Ragnarok came came along, I I just started like just so hating. I'll be honest with everyone here. I've only seen up to the first Avengers movie. Okay. Um. That after that, I just gave up. That's I said, un- yeah, that's understandable. Not anywhere. That's understandable. <laughs> I'm I'm one of those people where um like. I'll chime into something if I know I need to talk about it or if people are going to ask me about it. Mm-hmm. But um, if I'm not interested, I'm not interested and I'm not going to waste 50 hours of my life watching this cinematic universe if I think it's crap. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, so, to be honest, I, 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 I was still like a I was still like a teenager during that time. So I was still kind of like naive in yeah. the whole storytelling department. And I and I yeah. I loved Iron Man so much. So I just mm-hmm. I, I went until Infinity War and he died. And I was like, after that. Ah, I'm I'm done. <laughs> like, I, yeah, I was I was done during Iron Man three. Yeah, um, but that wasn't like. I wish that's they did, such a bad movie. I wish they did the Mandalorian. Ju- not not man. Why, why am I saying Mandalorian? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the Mandarin Justice, but they didn't. Ugh, fucking. Yeah, that's such a bad movie. Yeah, like it was so bad that my wife, who you know has watched all these movies sort of looked over at me during that one and was like, what is this movie? Why is Tony Stark just hanging out on a couch with a kid for two hours? Like, you know, like it was just awful. Um, And at that point I said, yeah, these don't have direction anymore. They're basically spinning a wheel um, for a hero villain and like plot twist. And then they're just going, yep. All right. We've got uh, Captain America and this guy. And like, we're just gonna like, that's how it feels. Um, there was no like originality. They all follow the same format movie to movie. And I just was like, yeah, I'm done with this. I've seen everything I need to see. I'm not going to get anything new out of the next, you know, out of the sequels. Um, Honestly, I, don't I, I, I feel that way with almost the entire movie industry right now. Like it's like to a oh, point yeah, where definitely I, right now I, I um, it's stagnated completely. There's no originality. Like there's like mm-hmm. only very few, yeah, very few movies I'm, that come out that do anything that's yeah, remote, remotely I'm, like good in my opinion. i'm so mad at, at dc comics as well just mm-hmm. you know for balance here because i am a dc nerd like i i way way more than marvel like i'm i'm a dc guy um and um like 90s marvel like you know x-men etc amazing mm-hmm. um Amazing Spider-Man, the cartoon, amazing. Um, but ever since, like, sort of the early thousands, to me, Marvel went downhill until the Iron Man movie. Um, and for me, Edward Norton Hulk, but Iron Man movie was the thing that like, kicked it off. Yeah. Um, 
And that's where I sort of peaked interest again. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And then after like four of them, I was like, yeah, I'm done. You know, like, <laughs> but the DC stuff, um, I, f- I never like as a kid, everyone loves Batman. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I didn't, I didn't understand Superman maybe because one, I'm not American and two, I grew up in a really poor area. Um, but Superman was just this cheesy character with underwear on the outside sort of thing. I, I didn't, I was like, you know, eight, nine, ten. I never really liked Superman, uh, but my brother mm. loved, loved Superman. Right. And, and my, my dad, yeah. my dad really liked, uh, watching like the, the original, like Superman, well, the, mm. the one with, uh, Christopher Reeves, I believe. Yeah, yeah, Christopher Reeves. Yeah, yeah. like, um, yeah, th- those like were. I watched those as a kid, and they were fun. But yeah, they I were was fun. Never like, yeah, Superman. Like it was sort of campy. Like I used to watch Lois and Clark, mm. um, the Adventures of Lois and Clark with Dean Kane, and that was like my Superman there. Like that's that's what I grew up with. Is that show? Mm. Um, and it was that, and Batman the animated series was like the only real DC things I watched. Like as a kid, I didn't really do Green Lantern. I didn't. I didn't do. Um, you know, any of the side characters. It was just Batman, Superman is all I knew. And I didn't even know the difference between DC and Marvel. I just, I was like, these are like, you know, superheroes. Uh, but, and I fell out of love with uh, with all of that stuff for a, uh, a little bit of time. And then in my late teens, sort of 18, 19, 20, um, I like was talking to someone about the comic books and it sort of like just, I was like, I'm going to go and see what's going on in comic books again. Um and that sort of rekindled my fire for that. And it was, <laughs> this is so embarrassing to admit now, but it was um, Gail Simone's run of Batgirl in the new 52 that sort of reignited my comic book flame. Nice, um, nice. And, I, and then I sort of caught myself up on everything like that DC was doing. And I was like, man, I've missed so many amazing stories because, you know, I just, I for a period of my life, superheroes were dumb you know like Mm -hmm. i didn't i didn't want anything to do with them um in my sort of teen years and now you're Um, writing a superhero comic yeah i know right (laughs) um and then i realized how wrong i was and that was just you know my situation in my dumb teenage brain um but um in my sort of late teens i got back into it and i realized like well one DC were writing much more mature stories yeah, and they were yeah. complex stories. Um, you know, some of these stories, like if you take the long Halloween and remove Batman from it, it's still an incredible detective story, mm-hmm. you know? And I feel like DC do this good job at masking their superheroes in this sort of dark, realistic world where they, you could sort of replace them with real world counterparts and it would still be great. Like they're just making good stuff where they were. Um, but um, Marvel, I, I tried to go back and read what I missed of them and it was terrible. Mm. Uh, and I was like, man, either I've changed or Marvel's changed, but I don't, I don't like any of this. Um, and I try, I try, but these days it's not even worth trying with either of them. Yeah. I feel like um, the, the culture has caught up to them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not, not in a good um, way. A hundred percent, which is why I was like, well, if no one else is going to do it, I'm going to do it, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to write my superhero story then, and I'm going to use this as my influence, but it's going to be a unique thing. Um, but, yeah, like, so I sort of fell out of love and then back in love with comic books. Um, you know, from the stuff I read as a kid, you know, old Chuck Dixon stuff, Long Halloween, um, you know, um, Killing Joke, etc. Mm-hmm. Um and then I sort of had this big gap 
um, in like the thousands. And then I went back to it in like the 20, 2010s sort of thing. I went back into it and dove deep. And at the time, shortly after that, DC had the Arrowverse start, like Arrow came out and I didn't watch it when it first came out. And then about a year in, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a go. Um, And it was cringy, but the first two seasons were watchable and then it fell apart. Um, But, you know, they were like doing these things. And to me, they were, they were trying to make something unique. Um, Whereas Marvel were like, as I said, it's like two big spin wheels and they're just like, Captain America. Crank it out. Crank it out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Let's get it done. And it wasn't interesting. So then when like man of steel came out, Right. And I've, I've ingrained myself in Superman lore at this point. I, I understand him. I love the character. Mm-hmm. Um, and Man of Steel comes out. And I know a lot of, like, it was very 50-50 when it came out. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people either hated it or loved it. And I was sitting there, like, infatuated with this story. Did, did you, I was like, so you liked it? crap. Yeah, I loved it. I yeah. loved it. Um, I, I actually Man really liked Steel it, too. It was one of my favorite superhero movies of all time. Um. I just thought they nailed Superman and I know someone just spat their drink out, but <laughs> um, it's like, it was really interesting to see this gritty take on Superman. Well, not gritty, but like, like that's how I, in my head would imagine like a Superman would be growing up. Like, you know, the torn- the famous tornado scene. Yeah. Everyone mocks, yeah. Right. Yeah. But in context, it's like this kid grew up his whole life being told by his dad, don't, like the world's not ready for you. Right. Mm -hmm. And he did everything he can to protect him and cover that up. And now he's faced with this thing where it's like, I can save my dad and the world's going to know who I am. But my dad's wish was for me to have a normal life. Yeah. And you see like the way, you know, he's so holds his hand out and shakes his head. Like, no, don't save me. That was probably the most emotional part of the movie, but like people just kind of write it off. Like, but, but it's like the nuance behind, Um, behind it all. Yeah. And then we're going to time skip ahead. Then Batman versus Superman comes out, right? Yeah. And are you a thumbs up or a thumbs down on that movie? I'm a thumbs down. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. I'm a huge thumbs up on that movie. Okay, um, okay. Especially the director's cut. I, I would, I would like to know. I would like to know your opinion on it. Yeah, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump straight into the Martha scene. Okay, okay, yeah. <laughs> Try. Let's, I, let's see you change my mind. I want, I want to hear it. <laughs> so, so you've got Bruce, right? Yeah. You got Batman, and Batman, his whole life has been living behind a mask. Right. Yeah. And he's infatuated and fixated on fighting crime for his parents. Like that was the promise he made to them mm-hmm. is that he would fix the city. And he's now, I don't, I can't remember how old Bruce is meant to be, but I want to say he's like 50 or he's, at least he's, he's in his late forties in this universe. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and he's got, he's, you know, um, I know it's meant to be Tim Drake canonically, but Snyder said the dead Robin was Dick Grayson in his universe. Um, so you you know that that's happened with the joke, like with the Joker killing Robin. Yeah. Um, and you know, he's had all those scars, you know, he's a darker Batman. And all of a sudden he sees this alien literally destroy a city and kill thousands of people. And he's like, this is public enemy. Number one, mm-hmm. you know, like this is my big problem. Okay. And nobody knows who Batman is. He's done a very good job at that. Yeah. Um, and he's a psychopath in this series. 
and he's about to kill Superman, who's an alien to him, not a human. And Clark looks up at him and says, save Martha, right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, Bruce, like his brain snaps, and he's like, how do you know that name? Like, and in his head, he's like, that's my mum. How do you know who my mum is? How do you, that means you know who I am. That means you know that I'm Batman. That means like, like, boom, like he has this sort of fry in his head. And he's like, how do you know that name? Oh. And, you know, this alien is like, no, you have to save Martha. And Batman thinks this is some weird cryptic head, like mind game <laughs> to him. Yeah. Yeah. Because he's like, how do you know this? Right. Oh. And you see him break and he starts yelling it. And he's like, how do you know that name? And that's when Lois sort of chimes in and she's like, it's his mum's name. And the music kicks and you see the look on Bruce's face and he's like, oh, I'm wrong. I really got to rewatch it then. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, he's like, he's like, it's like, I'm wrong. I I got this wrong. This is not an alien. I think that I think the big issue with it is the fact that the context isn't there. The fact that like all all the background information about like like for yeah you have yeah you have have to to have the context (laughs) in order to understand context yeah and Um, and the yeah you have to have the context like so I'm watching that with like a tear rolling down my cheek like well everyone else is just like what the heck. You know, and then, like, you know, I see, like, Marvel, like, the, you know, they've got um, Deadpool, like, making jokes about it. And everyone's like, that's so stupid. And I'm like, it's really sad, actually. Yeah. Like, it shows how broken of a human Bruce is. Yeah. That he nearly murdered a man, you know, like, and he was wrong. And then there's a great line that got cut from the Snyder Cut Justice League. Um, but there's it, a scene you like, that we didn't cut. Do you like the Justice League? The Snyder one's amazing. The Whedon one, take it or leave it. But there were two scenes Whedon did that I love. Okay. Um, so there's a scene where, like, Bruce is talking to Wonder Woman. And he mentions to Wonder Woman that, um, like, Clark is more human than Bruce ever will be. Mm-hmm. He's like, he had a childhood. He went to school. He had loving parents. Like, yeah. he's got all this. Yeah. I don't. I'm a man in a mask since I was a kid. Damn, you know, that, like, that really breaks the main na- the mainstream narrative, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and he <laughs> says that to her in the movie. Yeah, and it's a great line. And I wish, I, I wish, like, I know Snyder would never have done it, but I wish Snyder put that in the Snyder cut as well because I, I think that's a perfect line. I, I, I um, haven't seen the Snyder cut. Like that's, but I, I, oh, I, really? I, I wanted this. I wanted to see. It. I just, I just never like. Oh, I love it. Went out of my way I to try it. to it's watch so it. Good. It ties up the the universe in a neat bow for people who enjoyed what he was doing. Okay. There's always going to be people that hate it, but it really shows like, hey, he actually, like, everyone hated the DC universe, or a lot of people did because it lacked a lot of direction and it was very messy, and I don't disagree, but the Snyder Cut, for me, it sort of just gives you a little wink, like, there was a plan here. Mm. You know, it's like Snyder's going, I had a plan, and this is what it would have been like, and it would have been great. But obviously DC metal, like the executives metal. We saw that with the Suicide Squad yeah. movie. We saw it with, you know, Batman vs. Superman when it actually got its director's cut and everyone's like, oh, this movie makes sense now because mm-hmm. the cinematic cut was a mess. Um, like we saw it time and time again with them. So um, it's really neat. It's nice. Um, and there are key scenes in the Snyder Cut that I think are amazing. Um, but yeah, so jumping back to the Martha thing, though, like when that happens, I thought that was brilliant. 
given the context of, yeah. you know, but you have to understand who Bruce is. Yeah. Um, and yeah. it's the same with a lot of people mock at the end of Man of Steel when, you know, obviously, you know, for those who haven't seen it, Superman murders someone. Um, yeah, he has to break Zod's neck. Yeah. And everyone's sort of mocking it, being like, this isn't a Superman movie. And I'm like, he's been Superman for 24 hours. <laughs> like, the, yeah. like the, dude, the dude didn't grow up knowing how to fight people. And he didn't grow up knowing how to fly. He figured that out, like, 45 minutes ago in the movie. Like, <laughs> you know, like, like, he's just had all of this pummeled on him. These aliens have shown up, you know, and he's like, what that like what what do you want him to do he's not he doesn't know how to fight and he's got an opponent whose literal dna sequence is about fighting like whose literal like zod like the way like, yeah. are born is yeah. that they're, they're coded in advance yeah which you know, we're not like, too far off from <laughs> no, no we're not but you know he's coded to fight yeah and clark is a farm boy from kansas you know like he's a natural what born to do in that situation like what is he meant to do and you see it kills him inside. Like, it kills him inside that he did that. Um, and there's some great symbolism because then, you know, Lois obviously runs in and, you know, he sort of rests her head on her belly and, like, he's, you know, and he weeps and the, and the movie sort of closes out. Um, and yeah, I, I got to rewatch it, all those movies. <laughs> yeah, but if you know, once again, this is a very Snyder thing to do. If you yeah. know Superman and he gives you these hints at the beginning of the movie, like, you know that Clark can hear heartbeats and you know that he can hear things, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's in the movie, you know, and they make a big deal of it where he rips off Zod's mask and he's like, it hurts, doesn't it? Like, because Zod's got all these senses around him. And he's like, my mother taught me to hone my senses. Um and you see in this last scene, and once again, this is because I, one, watched it over a hundred times and I'm a big nerd, but he's, like, <laughs> resting his, his head on Lois's belly, like her uterus, essentially, mm-hmm. and it's Superman. So I can only, like, I can only imagine that he's honed in on, like, her uterus, right? Yeah. And he's just listening to that ambient sound because humans like that. Like, we, we you know, that's why we go into fetal position, like, yeah. from a psychology standpoint interesting so i have to imagine like he's just killed a man dang and now he's retreating you're making me his, think you know, think like, about this on a deeper level right man. <laughs> but that's 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 how snyder thinks when he makes these movies and but he doesn't tell you that that's that's pretty and i good. bet if he was listening to this he'd probably be nodding along like yeah that's exactly what i was meant to do like that's that's what it is yeah um, but he doesn't tell you that, like, you know, and any other director would have had the, the heartbeat sounds or something, you know, like, and really like shown you that. But Snyder's like, no, you can see he's doing it. And mm-hmm. the people who love the character, they can see that too. So when I watch these movies, it's all those little things. Mm-hmm. And because I know so much about the characters already, I can like insert my own little bits of narrative there that line up with the law. And I'm like, man, this is so amazing. Like that they did this. Um, there's a great look at the end of Batman vs Superman where um, Wonder Woman hands Superman down to Lois and she gives her this look of heartbreak and it's like a half a second thing. But then like, if you've seen the Wonder Woman movie when she loses, you know, Steve Trevor, yeah, you can tell that's exactly who she's thinking of in that scene when she hands it down. But because the movie came out after Batman and Superman, you didn't get that emotion until, until you've seen yeah, Wonder until, Woman and being like, oh, and go I back and now. watch like, it. Yeah. 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 And it's like all these little things I just love about these, these movies. It, and I don't get 
any of that from the Marvel movies. I, I, that, yeah, that, that's so because I feel like it's it's a it's a deeper and more and a darker story with the with DC, yeah. and then Marvel yeah. is just more like kid friendly, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, DC can be kid. Yeah, friendly, yeah. It, it, but it's that's, it's still that's the strength of it. It's still kid friendly, but um, like, like the yeah. the deeper the deeper aspects of like. I think the reason why I I liked Marvel was because the way they so the way that Robert Downey Jr. took the character of Tony Tony oh, he, Stark he through, through it, Iron Man. yeah, and like and yeah. it it was like the the whole character progression of wanting to basically protect the world, create create an entire like like he he felt like yeah. his, like his but, demons were coming to get him, but think about Marvel, right? Yeah, nineties Marvel. If you had a Marvel poster on your wall, who's on the poster? Spider-Man, probably. Spider-Man, right? Yeah. Um, maybe Wolverine. Uh, Fantastic Four. Maybe Fantastic Four. Yeah. Right? Like, if you think Marvel in, like, the 90s, before, just before the cinematic universe came out, what was Iron Man? He was nothing, probably. Nothing. He had one cartoon series that nobody watched and nobody liked. Yeah. Um, and his comics weren't selling really well. He wasn't a leading character in any Avengers, like, you know. Yeah. Like, it was, like, Captain America, X-Men, Spider-Man, Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Now look, like, look at today, Iron Man's front and center. Yep. Every freaking poster, every movie, every toy is an Iron Man toy. That's all because of Robert Downey Jr. I had, like, I had, like, 50 different iron man toys when i was younger yeah Yeah. that's all because of robert downey jr because when i was growing up iron man was kind of like an aquaman where people joked about him yeah it was like you know like iron man like he was just a guy in a tin suit he looked silly like yeah i remember like when my morning tv show put the iron man show on that was when we would change the channel as kids Mm. we're like uh iron man's on and change the channel like, it was just, like, nobody cared about the character other than a few, like, diehards. And then uh, Robert Downey Jr. comes out, completely reinvents Iron Man, makes him cool, makes him edgy. And now he's, like, the leading Marvel character is Iron Man followed by Spider-Man. Yeah. Which is so crazy to think that. Um, and X-Men is, like, on a back seat somewhere now. Like, it's Iron Man, Spider-Man, Deadpool. <laughs> I uh, I just watched, so, unfortunately, I didn't want to, but it was it was... Father's Day, and my dad wanted to watch it. We we watched uh, Doctor Strange into the Multiverse okay. of Madness, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, spoilers: uh, there, Mister Fan- Mister Fantastic was in it. Um, I saw that, and he was literally in it for like a split second, uh, mm-hmm. and like he basically just got killed, like right right off the bat. <laughs> I know, but it was it was in a different multiverse, right? Like a different universe mm-hmm. and, and all that stuff. But he, he got killed right right off the bat, and I was very upset about it because it was obviously very there was a specific, specific reason why they killed him him off. Mm-hmm. But you know, well, from what I understand, they're doing a fantastic four movie with yeah. John Krasinski as Mr. Fantastic. I mean, I, I, I the, is playing his wife in this and that's funny cause they're married in real life. Yeah. Too. Yeah. But but I, I kind of love that idea, but I'm sad about that at the same time. I, I was upset about it because they basically just killed him off like right off the bat. Yeah. 
it's such a bad way to do it. Hey, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I feel like, and it's not just me, or and I don't think it's you either. I really feel like the Marvel are on that decline again. I feel like they've had their decade on top, but I don't hear kids talking about the new Marvel stuff. I don't yeah, see I don't. as much Marvel merch anymore anywhere. And if I do, it's the old, when I say old, like, you know, it's like the first, like two Avengers movie stuff, like everything pre infinity war. Um, I'm not like the headlines that I'm reading aren't positive uh-huh. about it either. Like, um, like apparently like the new Miss Marvel show, which I'm not going to watch, but apparently it's awful. And Eternals was awful. And I, there was a, a um, not Dub and Hawk. Who's the Marvel one where it's like two names? I don't know. It's they have another like TV series I didn't even know they had. Oh really? You know, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. Um, Cloak and Dagger. Oh, Cloak and Dagger. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm just like, oh, they did that. Like, it's not like a thing anymore where it's like headlines everywhere. Cloak Marvel and- are doing this and that. Cloak like, and Dagger was in- made by by a different. Uh, it it wasn't made by, Di- oh, by okay. Disney Plus. It, it it actually came out like. Years ago, and it was on a different like streaming really? service, streaming service, sort of like, like, yeah. and it was completely like, missed it. Yeah, no, it, yeah. and actually, that show wasn't too bad. Like the the first season, I I actually I only watched the first season, but right, it, it, it wasn't. Probably only got one. Yeah, yeah, that that yeah. <laughs> but honestly, yeah, they're oh, they're okay. they're on. I thought that was new, but that's that shows how little I know these days. Like because. You would think I would know that because even though I didn't watch all the Avengers movies, like I knew every time a Thor or Hulk or, well, no Hulk movie, but, you know, a Thor or Iron Man or Captain America movie came out, I knew that, mm-hmm. you know, you couldn't, people wouldn't stop talking about it. Yeah. 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 Um, and even with like Spider-Man, like they've, they've had to rely on the cheap trick of bringing back the two better Spider-Mans. Um, to convince people to go and see this third movie. Honestly, I actually really, really enjoyed this that movie because it it actually finished it. It kind of weaved together all three plot lines and kind of put them all yeah. into one thing and yeah. and finished the biggest, them up in a way. My biggest Spider Man sin is the fact that they never finished the Andrew Garfield story. Yeah. Like yeah. The, you know, Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. I feel like that's such a big mistake for them. Honestly, to the, leave that open. the, the third, the third, the, this last one, no, no way home was it actually like mm-hmm. really did, did a great thing inside of yeah, it. There yeah. Was this, From what I've heard, it was one I scene watch that because I do like Spider-Man, but I don't care for Tom Holland, Spider-Man. I just, I don't, it's not, it's not how it should be for Spider-Man. Hmm. Yeah, there, there was one In scene fact. with with Andrew Gar- mm-hmm. Garfield. Oh, I've, I actually started like yeah. I, I got teary eyed. Well, the it. thing is, he's an incredibly good actor. Yeah, and I think because he was relatively unknown when he got the role of Peter Parker, that people didn't realize how good his acting was. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like they did Spider Man justice in that series. And I know a lot of people love the Tobey Maguire ones. I do too. But the Tobey Maguire Spider Mans were a product of their time, where you had to be a little more lighthearted. And they were like, it, like without that series, you don't have the Marvel Cinematic Universe or the DC live action universe that you have today because those Tobey Maguire Spider Mans changed superhero movies forever. Yeah, yeah, but they, they were pretty. They were pretty funny. There's some memorable yeah, moments in those. They're the ones who had to change it. So yeah. there's hints of the modern stuff in there, but a lot of the campiness 
that you found in, say, you know, Tim Burton, Batman, you know what I mean? Like a lot of that sort of superhero campiness was still in there too, which some people really like. I know people who like, you'd love that. And that's cool because it's cool. Mm-hmm. But Andrew Garfield was like, it was such a good mature take on Spider-Man um, and going the Gwen Stacy route. I really felt like, oh, are we actually going to go through like the full Spider-Man story and not just the Mary Jane Spider-Man, like repeat the same movie three times over yeah, sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, like, you know, if I have to see another Batman origin movie, I'm, I can't handle that. <laughs> did you, you know did I mean? you like, watch the new Batman one? Cause I, ha- I haven't you seen didn't it. see my review of it. Did you? I, I have not even seen the movie, so I don't even know. <laughs> I called it and I will die on my sword with this one. Yeah. I called it the worst Batman movie I have ever seen. And I've seen every Batman movie. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah. In uh, every way, shape or form. There was, there was one redeeming character, which was Penguin, who I feel like we need to fix the timeline and take that Penguin and give him his own movie. <laughs> um, like give him his, like give him, make him the villain in a Batman movie. Mm-hmm. Um, because Colin Farrell nailed it. That was incredible. Everything else about that movie was disgusting. Mm. It was bad, dude. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to go into spoilers. Right. Um, but um, I was texting my older brother and he like most people know that I like if I hate something, they'll normally like it sort of thing, because I'm like the opposite of most people with yeah. my opinions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but and, I, and he was like, we're about to watch the Batman. What did you think of it? It's like two and a half hours long. Like and I said, look, I said, look, it's the worst movie ever made, but <laughs> you watch it and form your own opinion and you tell me. You know, because you yeah. know that, you know, I've, I'm going to be a little bit biased when it comes to Batman. Um, and I get a reply two and a half hours later going, I really wish I didn't waste my time watching this. Like, yeah, it wasn't so like once my brother was like, yeah, I hated it. And, you know, this guy's got a, a DC sleeve down one arm and a Marvel sleeve down the other arm. Damn. You know, like, yeah. so, you know, like, like, and he's like, this was awful. He's yeah. like, I don't even know what they were thinking. It's terrible, dude. It's so bad. Um, the the Riddler does like grade school riddles, like the sort of riddles really? you get told in school. And Batman's sitting there like, I can't figure this out. Really? <laughs> he's, oh, sorry, he's, he's not angry though. Sorry, okay, he's, okay, okay. he's more miserable. So he's, he's like, he's like, he's not he's like, like Christian Bale, Batman, like, like where's, no. a, where's a girl? No, no. <laughs> so the opening line, the opening line of this movie, and I don't know it off by heart because I've only seen it once, but it's like, there's like a little montage of Gotham and it's dark and gray and very noir. And then you have this really weird Batman voice. And this isn't me making it up. This is what it sounds like. Um, it's Robert Patterson and this is the voice and this is what he says. He goes, years of staying in the night have turned me into a nocturnal animal. (laughs) And at that moment, I went, this movie's going to (laughs) suck. Oh my gosh. And then, and then like, um, we get this scene with the thugs. You see it in the trailer. They got all the skeleton face paint on and they're like beating up a Chinese guy in a subway. Ooh, firework. Um, Sorry. That was, and, that was um, a firework. <laughs> no, you're right. Um, so there's like this scene where like, there's all these guys. They're obviously like one of the Gotham gangs and they're hanging out on, in a train. Mm-hmm. Right. And they all have a full face paint of a skull on their face. Okay. They're all in like corpse paint. Um, <laughs> except one. <laughs> 
<laughs> There's a black guy. Oh my gosh. So they only painted half his face so that you know that he's the black guy, right? Uh, and then they go into the at like they go and they go to beat up this Asian guy and they don't do it because he did something wrong to them. They do it because he's Asian. Like they're open like this will be funny. Like right. And they're trying to like get this black kid. They're like, you gotta do it. And the camera's always filmed in a way where you see the non-painted side of the black kid's face, but the face paint of all the white dudes around him in the corpse paint. Right. And he's like nervous to do it. He doesn't want to do it. And then Batman shows up. Um, and it's a terribly choreographed fight scene. It's not good. It's worse than the Christian Bale ones, and they weren't good. Um, and it just looks stupid. The costume looks dumb. It's really skinny. He's re- It looks like he bought it at Hot Topic um, in, like, 1998. Um, and, like, he beats up every single one of these thugs except the black kid. And then okay. he gives him, like, a nod, like a, like a, like a, you know, like a BLM nod. He's like, yes. Yes, you go, you go. And the kid like runs off. You never see him again, but it's so just in your face and obvious what they're, they're trying the, to the do. The agenda kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. At that point in the movie that I was like, oh no, did we really just do that? Or am I overthinking this? Cause I do overthink things. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, but uh, then, that, that's the issue with everything yeah. now because the, yeah, because of the, now. the agenda, it's like, it's like you're now overthinking things to a point where mm-hmm. like you used to just enjoy you just enjoy the movie but now it's like they'll they'll put it in your face and you're just like yeah now i don't like the movie because you're doing this to me yeah but then so what what affirms this for me was later in the movie there's a scene where catwoman's walking through a nightclub she works at the penguins nightclub as a waitress and batman's looking at what she's looking at through these contact lenses she's wearing and he's on like a monitor and he like all the guys are ogling catwoman and batman's like this is making me uncomfortable. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, it's not nice, is it? <laughs> what the heck? And like, like, so the Batman in The Batman is like a creepy stalker. Yeah. Like he's like an incel. Like he gives you incel stalker vibes where he's like, he's watching Catwoman get changed in her apartment through like a pair of binoculars on a rooftop. Oh my gosh. And like, he's like, yeah, like, and he's like doing like the heavy breathing. And it's really weird. It's a really weird tone. And he's like this nerdy white kid, basically. Um, and like Catwoman in the movie does all the action for the most part. And she's the one that moves the plot forward. Um, and he just sort of tells her what to do. See that and she's that, like, "Don't tell me what to do." That's um, the, that's the thing is that like, so my my brother watched the movie and he said it was mm-hmm. like it it was it was really great. He he loved he loved it. But then like, I I couldn't stand it. My my um, issue my mm-hmm. issue is that when I whenever my brother or my dad or like someone tells me about like like mm-hmm. oh like the the new big movie came out or something like that and they're like, "Why don't mm-hmm. you want to watch it?" I'm like. E- you don't analyze the movies like I do. Like the stories yeah. now are yeah. just complete shit. They're they don't they don't care about what you're like. They just want you to come in and spend your money and waste waste two and yeah. a half hours of your time. Well, I haven't gotten to the worst of it yet. So oh, at God. this point, I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm suspect, right? I'm yeah. suspect. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so there's some undertones here that aren't really undertones, but let's see where this goes. 
Then they get to a scene where Catwoman literally tells Batman, like, she's like, uh, you know, she does the whole, like, straight white males evil line. She's like, you know, oh, the only thing that is straight white males, blah, blah, blah. And, like, she actually says, like, straight white males. Like, that's the line. Really? Um, like, the key word in the sentence, yeah. And I was just like, ugh. You know? Oh. And I was like, all right, so they've got the agenda down, Pat. Perfect. It's already a terrible movie. Can I spoil the, like, the ending? Uh, uh, yeah, for, yeah, I mean, for me, I'm probably not going to watch it or, like, 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 yeah. watch it anyway. But like, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll, oh, I'll Can watch it just story- just to get the cringe. <laughs> from a storytelling point of view, right? Yeah, a superhero movie or yeah. any adventure movie or action movie, right? What needs to happen in the the superhero's journey? We'll call it in a superhero movie. What are like the four major things that need to happen, right? So, superhero is established. Mm-hmm. Villain does something bad. Yeah. Superhero fights off villain. Superhero saves the day. Yep. Yep. That, that that's like, like that's like you know if general you marvel movie really loosely <laughs> like generalized superhero thing right yep so but like what is the one thing that a superhero has to do at the like in a superhero movie like what is the whole point of the superhero movie you gotta get the girl right or you gotta save the day you gotta yep, get you the gotta girl sa- you've gotta you know right yeah you gotta what save, if I told save you the day. in in the batman he fails he fails okay what if I tell you Riddler wins? Okay. Would you watch a Batman movie that goes for nearly three hours and he doesn't win at the end? Probably not. It like like because like, he doesn't. Like, how does he not win? Like, what, what? Well, so the Riddler, like I said, the Riddler has all these riddles. Yeah, and they're not hard. Like, I was screaming at my screen, like. Like, this is the answer, Batman. It's not hard. I figured it out as soon as he said it. Oh my gosh. Um, Alfred solves all the riddles for Batman. Really? Batman so he can't even solve? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but Batman, so Batman fails to actually solve all the riddles on time. And the Riddler had all these bombs planted around Gotham, uh, the, the, the Gotham seawall. And they go off and they flood Gotham. And you watch it. Other than, like, a few hundred people who are in, like, the football stadium. Oh, you, they, they, um, they so just wanted like the explosions. The they just wanted the explosions right? in the movie. Yeah. That, that. Right. So the actual, like, city floods, like, 99% of Gotham other than this one stadium. But the stadium has a bunch of Riddler's henchmen because he's an incel who posts videos on Reddit uh, about MGTOW stuff and guns, etc. Um, and so he has, like, his, like, followers in the stadium with sniper rifles, like shooting all the bad guys, like all the innocent people trying to hide from the flood. And Batman takes them out. That's fine. But then, um, but it's the damage is already done. Like you failed, like the city's underwater, like literally Gotham floods. And so Batman then throws up the weapons, realizes violence isn't the answer. And he goes into the water. It's a very baptism, like religious sort of, you know, symbolism scene where he drops into the water that's flooding the city. And then he's rebirthed as a pacifist and he starts saving the humans of Gotham from the flood um, because violence was not the answer and violence caused him to lose. And that's how the movie ends with him saying he has to do things different from now on and not be violent, essentially. Huh. But it doesn't matter because probably a million people just drowned. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I guess I'm, I guess if they're trying to, 
are they planning? I, I thought they're 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 planning on bringing. Um, they're doing sequels. They're doing sequels for this for this Batman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know how they're going to do it if he's you know if he's just realized that if, he shouldn't be fighting people anymore. If she. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you know, like he's. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I kind of. There's a lot I, of other like bad things in the movie too. Like the the cardinal sin that he doesn't save the day is just a huge problem anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um. You know, like because that's like you don't do that in a superhero movie unless there's do you a think, sequel. Do you like, think they did? Parter. Do you think they did that to like to like get like he was violent to start and like he they did that to give him some kind of like character growth or something? But like no, uh, because like he wasn't even really violent. He was just mopey. Okay. Um, okay. Well, then that's yeah. Just, like that, it's that's... a Batman who fails at all of his jobs. Oh my god! He failed to solve the riddles. Alfred does that. He failed to find any, get any intel. Catwoman does all that. Um, the only thing he was good at was fighting people. But the only reason he was fighting people is because he failed at being stealthy. Like, say so Batman. So you're Batman, right? Yeah. You need to interrogate. You need to interrogate <laughs> Penguin. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Penguin's holed up in his nightclub. How do you how do you approach this situation? You're Batman, and you're year two Batman, by the way, not year one. You're a year two Batman. You you go you go and and sneak in and you you try to get Penguin out. Well, okay, I understand what you're saying, but I watched the Batman, and I know that Batman knocks on the front door of the club and they open the door. Goes in guns blazing. (laughs) What the hell? Going guns blazing. He asks to be let in. He does. He goes, he goes, do you know who I am? And they go, no. And he's like, I'm here to talk to the penguin. And they're like, well, you're not getting in, buddy. And he's like, huh. and then he fights. Okay. He does that three times in the movie. Three times. And, and like, it's yeah, just knocks the, same, on the front door. It's just the same thing over and over again. <laughs> do you know who I am? So one time he does it as Bruce Wayne and they're like, yeah, you're Bruce Wayne. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. I think I'm done talking about Batman. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I mean. Like like, I cannot justify anything in this movie as being good because the costume's not good. The acting isn't good. The only good thing was Penguin. Mm. Colin Farrell as Penguin was perfect. Perfect Penguin in the worst Batman movie. I'll have to watch it for Penguin's sake. Yeah. Yeah. You'll like (laughs) DM me like when, when you've seen it. Okay. And just, like, just give me a little nod. Like, yeah. yep. Yep. Like, because <laughs> <laughs> like, I watched it and I was just like, oh my God. And then I said to my wife, I was like, you've got to watch this. Uh, and she goes, I heard you laughing through it. And I said, yeah, yeah, trust me, it's great. She got five <laughs> minutes in and said, turn it off. Oh my gosh. She said, and she's not like a big superhero person, but she she has watched like the animated series and she's watched like a lot of Batman. Batman stuff because I watch it. Yeah. So yeah. even she was like, yeah, no, I can't do this. This is awful. Damn. And I don't get what people see in this movie. Like when I see people praising it, cause there's a lot of people who did, I'm like, do you, have you never read a Batman comic? Do you not like understand or respect what Batman is? Or are you, do you like this? Cause you want to change Batman. I think it's just sad. Like the way everything's going. It's why I want yeah, to create. Like, it's, it's why I, why I want to create new things so that it's just exactly like, yeah it, it yeah 
I want to create my own superhero universe with my own characters with their own lore, and I want to be the person in charge. I never want to sell it off to a big company that's yeah. going to turn it into what everything I've grown up watching has been turned into. Uh, let let big companies invest in in you creating creating it, but not like not let them buy you. Never out. give them ownership. Yeah, never give never them ownership. ownership. Yeah, yeah. Like if, if it's a, a partner, it should be a partnership, go, not an ownership. Yeah. If a publisher says, "Hey, like." I'll give you X amount of money to, you know, adapt this into a movie for us. I'll go, yeah, but I need to own it still. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like as long as I own the property and when the movie's done, it's still mine and you can't, you know, like take that from me, we can work together. But if you're going to want to take ownership of the property, no, thank you. I'm done. Like, see you later. I'll keep doing it myself. I, I honestly think that's a good place to, end our our conversation mm. we've been going for <laughs> an hour and 40 minutes um but yeah damn yeah there we go i i, yeah. I, I wanted mm. to get deep into into mm-hmm. like pop culture stuff with you and we did and that was fun and uh mm-hmm. i appreciate you coming on uh, you want to you want to shill man shill your 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 stuff for like the audience <laughs> i'm on minds you can find me it's just manaya my name which is called m-i-n-e-y-a you can find me on YouTube under the same name, and you can read my comic book Streetlights on Arkhaven.com. I will have everything linked in the in the description for this episode. Thank you again, M- Manaya, for coming on. And uh, anytime, I ho- hopefully we get to do this again, and maybe we can like have a, like a, a joint podcast with with like me you matt or like like other people and like we just have a huge debate about certain topics we'll, or something like we'll that. do a podcast where i convert everyone to batman <laughs> vs superman being a good movie <laughs> <laughs> yes well, well we'll go through all the different all, all the different like movie franchises and try to see if we can convert each other to different like takes on on things Ch- change my mind <laughs> segments you know yeah change my mind segments <laughs> convince me that this is good someone convince me that batman is good yeah <laughs> all right well thank you for coming on and thank you all Anytime. for listening to our conversation thanks guys i thank you for listening to our conversation be sure to check out all of Manaya's content found in the links of the description of this episode. Next week is the final week of Season 3. You'll be getting the final entries in both the Mainframe series, as well as a podcast special for the season finale. But remember, this is only the beginning of what is to come. A new age for the core is on the horizon and you'll see how all the characters and Chosen are woven into this epic story. And if death comes to you, may you be reborn in power. Mm -hmm.